We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What is going on, everybody? Welcome to Striking Gold, your 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Network. This week's episode is sponsored by TickPick, which should be your first choice to buy football tickets because they save fans money by never charging any service fees ever. TickPick is the exclusive ticketing partner for the Striking Gold podcast and the Blue Wire Network. My name, of course, is Rob Lauder. I cover the 49ers for the B-Dub, and oh boy, here we go. Everybody is getting a free ticket to the Hindsight Train, and we are cranking this this bad boy up to full speed as much as the engines can take. Think Back to the Future 3 when they're throwing those different color logs in the fire and everything's blowing up. The engine, the smokestack is just erupting with all of these different colors, you know, to signify how fast we're going and how overboard everything is. The engine's blowing up, steam's going everywhere. That is what the hindsight train is doing right now. Because here comes Tom Brady, another colossal miss on the 49ers, Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch quarterback record. They weren't interested in Mahomes or Watson because everybody knew what they were going to be. They didn't draft Aaron Rodgers, even though that didn't have anything to do with them. We're getting to a point where I'm kidding. But now it's the 49ers passed on Tom Brady, who wanted to retire a 49er. So there is a, a book coming out from ESPN's Seth Wickersham called It's Better to Be Feared, where he is, it's kind of like a tell-all of everything New England Patriots during the Robert Kraft, Bill Belichick, Tom Brady era. And one of the few talking points that's already been kind of put out there, the book hasn't technically released yet, it doesn't come out until next month. But one of the things that everybody already knows was some of the story behind Tom Brady's exit from New England and his desire to 
come to the Bay, the San Francisco 49ers, and be their quarterback for the rest of his career. Now, as I kind of work my way through this, there's two sources I'm going to use. Obviously, we know the book is from Seth Wickersham of ESPN. And then uh, NBC Sports' Matt Mayoko did some digging of of his own to kind of uncover his own information from Wickersham's book. And then I have... Um, our beloved KP over at Niners Nation. I pulled up what he kind of wrote on the subject, and he made a lot of really good points that kind of support the my first thought about this whole... <laughs> I'm just like laughing to myself. This whole hindsight hype train we've got going right now. Um, but just to kind of set the table before even giving getting my opinion, okay? I'm going to read kind of this excerpt from... Matt Mayoko's article that kind of breaks everything down and it does a good job of it. Okay. So I'm just going to read verbatim for a little bit. And then obviously we'll break off into my own thoughts on the matter. Brady informed Welker being Wes Welker, his former teammate, the San Francisco's wide receivers coach that if the 49ers were interested, he was finished. He would finish Tom Brady. He would finish his career in the Bay area after 20 seasons and six Super Bowl titles with the new England Patriots. According to the book, Brady wrote down 20 or so elements he desired from his new team. His contract demand was considered reasonable two years, 50 million Brady informed Welker that if the 49ers wanted him, there would be no free agency tour, no bidding war, full stop. He would end his career where his love of football began in scarlet and gold, allowing his parents to drive to his games for the first time since the 1990s, according to Seth's book. A source confirms to NBC Sports Bay Area via Matt Mayoko, that the 49ers were made aware of Brady's preference and, as is reported in the book, the organization was initially skeptical. But Shanahan asked each of his offensive assistant coaches to watch all of Brady's past attempts from the 2019 season and provide their evaluations. Rickersham reports, Shanahan did say the same while on vacation with his family in Cabo, San Lucas. According to the book, the 49ers coaches, excuse me, kind of misread that last sentence. He asked his coaches to check out Brady's film, and Shanahan did the same while on vacation in Cabo on the same trip where he was watching film on now Rams quarterback Matthew Stafford. According to the book, the 49ers coaches merely liked Brady's film and concluded that Brady was only marginally better than Garoppolo at that stage of both men's careers. Okay, and that is the the end of the quote that I'm reading from Matt Mayoka's article. And to me, that last sentence is important. According to the book, The 49ers coaches merely liked Brady's film and concluded that Brady was only marginally better than Garoppolo at that stage of both men's careers. And that you can even narrow it down to one, two, three, four, five, the last six words, that stage of both men's careers. And what's blowing my mind about all of this is how quickly many people, I'm not going to say everyone, many people have forgot forgotten about how everyone felt when Brady first became a free agent and it was first made known that he was leaving New England. Everybody knew about it. He hit free agency and there was not this tidal wave of 49ers fandom that were, you know, tearing down the gates for the 49ers to sign Tom Brady. We knew right away at least relatively early on that Tom Brady was interested in signing, playing for the 49ers either before he signed for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers or shortly after. And again, I'm going to repeat that. 
there was not a time there. Of course there were people out there that likely wanted Tom Brady to play for the 49ers. Like it's Tom Brady. I get it. But at the same time, Tom Brady was coming off what might've been his worst season as a professional quarterback. The common thread throughout sports media was that Tom Brady had officially began to fall off. And that was at the end of the 2019 season. He only completed 60% of his passes for 4,000 yards, 24 interceptions, eight touchdowns. And you know, which, which by any stretch of the imagination, those are good numbers. They're solid. But when you're talking about Tom Brady, when you look at some of the seasons he's had in the past, they were in no way impressive, especially when you use the eye test, when you watched Tom Brady play in the 2019 season, I believe they lost in the, in, in their first playoff game that season, they were, you know, a first round exit. And it's just really, I don't know what the word, I'm not even going to say disappointing because I'm not even that spun up about it. That's the biggest thing with me right now is it's interesting to talk about, but when news came out today about how interested Tom Brady actually was in playing for the 49ers, which is basically like he was far and away their number one destination. And if the 49ers said, okay, we'll sign you. doesn't, it didn't matter what other teams were going to offer him. He was going to take the two years, 25 million each year, 50 million total and go play for the 49ers. So it means that he was, the 49ers were his place. And learning about that today, I didn't get spun up at all. I didn't get excited. I didn't go like, oh my gosh, how could this be? Because to me, it was so easy to remember where the 49ers were at the time, where Tom Brady was at the time, where the general consensus of Tom Brady's skill set was, as wrong as it may have been, obviously, by how he played in Tampa. It's just the moment the news came out, I was just like, okay, we already knew this. Tom Brady wanted to play for the 49ers. The only thing that was really said that was new was the fact that Tom Brady really, really wanted to play for the 49ers. Like, he was their spot. And, again, going back to that time, you're talking about, this is 2019, when Jimmy Garoppolo and the 49ers are coming off the Super Bowl. And, yes, Jimmy Garoppolo did not have a, have a great playoff. Um, I mean, nor did he need to have a great playoff, at least in the first two games against the Vikings and the Packers. Um, but he wasn't great in the Super Bowl either. Just okay. But during that season, uh, leading up to the Super Bowl, Jimmy Garoppolo completed almost 70% of his passes, 69%. Nice. Uh, for just under 4,000 yards, 27 touchdowns, 13 interceptions. One of the most prolific seasons for a 49ers quarterback. And was it always perfect? Absolutely not. We all know that very well. Uh, did he miss some plays in the Super Bowl? Absolutely. We saw that. But that is the season that we were coming off of. The 49ers had just gone to the Super Bowl, given the Chiefs a game, and lost. And at the time, there was no, like, the moment they knew that they could get Brady, there was no just this this rush of, of course the 49ers need to do this. For the most part, it was considered common sense that Jimmy Garoppolo was solid. Again, this is before the next season in 2020, Jimmy Garoppolo had that high. Jimmy Garoppolo at this time had only missed one season, which was 2018 to a torn ACL, and he played all 2019 and looked solid. So, the, I mean, at the time, everybody was like, yeah, Jimmy Garoppolo kind of shit the bed a little bit at, at certain moments. But the, everybody kind of just seemed like they, they thought Jimmy Garoppolo was a young, uh, improving, solid quarterback. If not, if not great, we, we'll see. It was only his second full season or his first full season as a starter. Don't forget that. that the, the year that Jimmy Garoppolo and the 49ers went to the Super Bowl, that was his first full season as the 49ers starting quarterback. So it would be, it would be reasonable 
to think, okay, Jimmy Garoppolo is only getting better. You know, there was just nobody out there that was like, Jimmy G sucks. They need to get rid of him now. Just wasn't what it was like. And then obviously you went on the next season, had a, an oak, just an okay start to the season. And then he had that high ankle sprain, played a total of six games. And we ended up hearing that the high ankle sprain was actually much, much worse than kind of anybody thought it was, at least per Jimmy Garoppolo and kind of those teammates around him. And that was kind of like, oh, at that point, it, the the outlook on Jimmy Garoppolo drastically switched. Tore his ACL in 2018, went to the Super Bowl in 2019, and then in 2020 had that high ankle sprain, tried to come back, didn't obviously couldn't play on it. And at that, that was the point where everybody kind of believed like, well, maybe Jimmy Garoppolo is injury prone. The 49ers are losing games because their starting quarterback has missed two of the last three seasons. And at that point, you could kind of understand the cascade of, of kind of at least degrading opinions of Jimmy Garoppolo. But that wasn't what it was like right after the 2019 season when Tom Brady became a free agent. There just It just wasn't like that. And it's just funny. Like, okay, so let's say that the 49ers – Given how you, you got to keep the frame of mind that of the season Tom Brady came off of in 2019 that nobody was impressed with and everybody kind of thought, oh, geez, is this the end of it for Tom is, you know, who's going to pick him up? We'll see. So what, what I mean, to everybody that was like, how the 40, how could the 49ers have not have picked up Tom Brady? I mean, if you're really, really willing to hit yourself onto that, that train and ride it, you know, again, Tom Brady's coming off a rough season. Jimmy Garoppolo is coming off the Super Bowl run. Um, that didn't end great, didn't end great. But, well, I mean, what could the 49ers have done? Traded Jimmy, signed Tom, and everybody probably would have thought that was insane. Again, going back to 2019 and what the general feeling was, the 49ers could have probably gotten a, a haul for Jimmy Garoppolo because they just came off of a Super Bowl with him. And some of those games throughout that 2019 season were it seemed like they were solely won by Jimmy Garoppolo's arm. And there were others where he wasn't great, of course. And then it would have been trading for a Tom Brady who looked horrible that season, who and the Patriots had a first round playoff exit, and for for a quarterback that was 15 years older than Jimmy Garoppolo. I mean, how many contracts are between Jimmy Garoppolo and Tom Brady? Like three, four? I I don't know. Tom Brady signed some shorter contracts in there. So it it just seems kind of crazy. Like, and it just to me seems even crazier how. Easily, it seems like everybody just forgot. Like, it's like people are almost talking about it as if Tom Brady had just won that Super Bowl with Tampa Bay. But I guess we could say New England since it wouldn't make sense if he was with Tampa Bay and hit free agency. Like, like they're acting like last year had already happened. Last season had already happened, and the 49ers turned down Tom Brady, which just wasn't the case. Tom Brady's the difference between Tom Brady's. 2019 season with New England and the 2020 season with Tampa Bay was unbelievable as far as what we saw. He he completed he threw for he completed about 40 more passes on less attempts. So he was he went from 60% to 60 almost 66%. He threw for 600 more yards, 16 more touchdowns and only four more interceptions. His his Touchdown to interception, or excuse me, I'm reading the wrong percentage here. I'm just making sure I got the right stuff. So, I mean, the the amount of like 
The difference between those seasons was dramatic. He went from 6.6 yards per pass to 7.6, which to jump up one whole yard in that statistic is massive. 6.6 was the lowest of Brady's entire career. Going all the way, excuse me, not of his career, going all the way back to 2002. So that kind of gives you a little perspective on how low 6.6 was. 7.6 has been like his average, you know, during his, even his, his really solid seasons. Um, he was at 7.8, 7.9, 7.6, 7.1, 7.6. So for him to jump that much was really significant. So the, the difference between the 2019 Tom Brady and the 2020 Tom Brady was drastic. You know, it was nobody expected it. And, and I feel like everybody's saying, well, Tom Brady really wanted to come to San Francisco. It's almost like they're, they're envisioning the 2020 Tom Brady wanting to come to the 2019 49ers when they're forgetting about the 2019 Tom Brady. So that to me is why I couldn't understand really why everybody was getting so spun up about it. And, and is Tom Brady really that great of a fit in the 49ers offense? I don't know. You make it work. It's Tom Brady. You could, you, I'm not definitely not saying that they couldn't make that happen, but you know, you're talking about a completely immobile quarterback that gets the ball off really, really fast. But it, you know, there's just so many things about Kyle Shanahan's offense where, you know, that moves the quarterback out of the pocket. Uh, it, anyway, I don't want to go down that road. I'm not definitely not saying the 49ers would have struggled with Tom Brady at all. I'm not even going to entertain that notion. Uh, I feel like no matter what two minds like Tom Brady and Kyle Shanahan could have got together and made it work. But, you know, the 49ers weren't looking for new quarterbacks in 2019. They may have had their little questions for Jimmy Garoppolo and stuff. You know, it just didn't seem like that was a likely course of action just coming off of a Super Bowl. If anything, thought everybody thought Jimmy Garoppolo was going to improve. It was his first full season as a starter. He's going to have even more time in Shanahan's complex system. Let's see what he's got. And uh, it was just, you know, it's just wild. You know, Jimmy Garoppolo gets hurt in 2020. Then after that season, I mean, the 49ers have to slug it out with Nick Mullins and C.J. Beathard. And then the 49ers, obviously, this offseason traded up for Trey Lance. Now, all of this, as fun as it is to talk about, if Trey Lance works out, none of it's going to matter. No one's going to care. Okay, If Trey Lance doesn't work out, then this kind of becomes a more prolific element of Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch's story with the 49ers. Oh, not only did they pass on Mahomes, did they pass on Watson? Did they not go after Kirk Cousins? They they traded for Jimmy Garoppolo, and he ended up not being great. And then they traded for Trey Lance, and he didn't work out. I mean, that's a pretty hefty list of like, you know, again, a little bit of hindsight thrown in for each one of those things, but it's a pretty hefty list. A hefty list of uh, of problems there for you know the uh, the Forty ers in terms of their search for a franchise quarterback. So it's it's just a really, really, really wild kind of thing. And one thing I want to make sure I include, um, just to kind of cap this off. And this, like I said, I was gonna I was gonna throw a little bit of KP in here just to kind of cap off the the why Garoppolo over Brady in two thousand nineteen. Okay. This is from KP over at Niners Nation. When you watch New England's offense, it's easy to see why they were bounced in the first round of the playoffs. Brady finished 17th in DVOA, 24th in EPA per play, 32nd in success rate, with a completion percentage over expectation of negative 2.5, which was 35th in the NFL, right below Mitchell Trubisky. For comparison's sake, Garoppolo finished 10th in DVOA, Brady 17th, 9th in EPA, Brady 24th, 
Sixth in success rate, Brady was 32nd, and 14th in CPOE. And that's the the completion percentage over expectation. Uh, Brady was 35th, Garoppolo's 14th. So if any of even if stats aren't your flavor, if just straight up box score stats aren't your flavor, there there that is a lot of in-depth analyzation. I don't even know if that's a word. Analyzation? I mean it should be, but analysis of the two quarterback's performance. And KP goes on to say, Brady looks shot, fast forward a season, he wins another Super Bowl. How much of that success was due to the lack of weapons in New England? Seems like a lot. I mean, he went from like almost the worst weapons in the NFL to the best. So, I mean, it's almost like that makes a difference. Crazy, right? And then, you know, KP just obviously, you guys heard him on the pod. We, We usually are really aligned in the way we think. And then he goes on to say Garoppolo missed the season with a torn ACL, but he didn't have a reputation as an injury-prone player. So the assumption was that Jimmy G would continue to ascend in Kyle Shannon's offense the more he played. So it's it's like, yeah, it's just too much. It's too much hindsight. Yes, would it be cool if the 49ers just moved heaven and earth to get Tom Brady? Sure. And it worked out how it worked out for the Bucks. Yeah, hell yeah, that'd be cool. But to me, it's just, it's too much. It's way too much assumption it's way too much uh you know having the clarity of hindsight to just say how the hell did the 49ers pass this up when in reality we all knew why the 49ers passed it up everybody did nobody was was lambasting the 49ers for passing on tom brady it just wasn't a thing until tom brady has one of the craziest turnarounds for a quarterback in who knows how long and wins another super bowl what is it his seventh jesus i think even if it's a sixth, Jesus. So it's just, it's too much for me. It's too much for me, guys. I hope, hopefully that's reasonable. Um, I just don't see, it's not that I, and I don't think Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch are, are capable of making mistakes. Uh, we've seen them many times with many draft picks. Uh, I just don't think this was one of them. Would it have worked out like it did for the Bucks? I don't know. But like I said earlier, if the 49ers just, after this, the Super Bowl run, just immediately ship Jimmy Garoppolo out for how who knows how many draft picks, and then sign Tom Brady after his 2019 season. I think people have been like, "What the hell are these two doing?" That's what I think the reaction would have been back then, when all the context was right there in front of your face, as opposed to now, where people are kind of like forgetting some things, remembering some things. I mean, I even saw a guy get called out by a Twitter account. Because he was basically saying the 49ers were idiots for passing on Tom Brady. And that guy got quote tweeted by a tweet of his own years ago, or, you know, two years ago, saying the 49ers would be stupid to sign Tom Brady. And, and, and that's kind of what it feels like is there's just this drastic 360. Now, one thing I need to step back with and do a turnaround on is I remember being convinced or at least not buying the fact that Tom Brady said that they, that, I didn't buy that Tom Brady was talking about the 49ers when he said that famous quote, you're going to stick with this mother effer. I didn't buy that he was talking about Jimmy Garoppolo. It just never seemed like those two would ever refer to talk to each other like that. But now that all this came out, maybe that's a little more likely, but doesn't matter. Just doesn't matter anymore. So, all right, let's get a quick word from our sponsors over at TickPick. We're going to get these out of the way, and then we're going to come back. We're going to give you a little bit of injury updates from the 49ers, a little bit of stuff from Kyle Shanahan, talk briefly about the Seahawks, and then we'll get the heck out of here. Okay. 
49ers football is finally back. There's no need to exhaust yourself searching all over the internet to find 49ers tickets anymore. TickPick, that's T-I-C-K-P-I-C-K, is the original no-fee ticket site and the only one you'll ever need as your go-to for all NFL tickets. TickPick got rid of all those awful service fees that the other ticket site charge which lets them guarantee the best prices on all of your NFL tickets. And if you don't believe it, they're going to give you 110% of the difference if you can find a better price on the same seats on another ticket site. 110% of the difference. So you'll get your money in the you'll get your money back on the difference plus 10% more. Not bad. Okay? We have the 49ers Coming to Levi's Stadium this weekend on Sunday against the Seahawks, their unquestioned division rival. So if you need to get on TickPick to find yourself some 49ers tickets, do it. Sunday, Levi's Stadium. You know it's going to be popping. You know it's going to be popping. The Seahawks, both the Seahawks and 49ers are looking to get back on the, the right track. Hop on TickPick. Visit TickPick.com slash gold today and use the promo code I do that all every time. Promo code GOLD10 to save $10 on your first order of 49ers tickets. It's the fact that the word code is right before gold gets me every time. Gets me every time. So yeah, get on there. TickPick.com. Check it out. Use our promo code. That lets them know that that you heard about it on the show. It's important. They keep track of all that stuff. And get yourself some 49ers tickets. I was looking at them earlier uh, just for curiosity's sake. They seem like they're going for a reasonable amount. Um, so get yourself in the game. Get yourself in the game. It would be, uh, you know, it's the Seahawks. It's always popping for the Seahawks, no matter what state the 49ers are in, the Seahawks are in. And obviously both teams are respectable right now, so you know it's going to go. Uh, I'm looking forward to that game. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The interesting thing about that game is I believe the 49ers have never lost back-to-back games under Kyle Shanahan slash Jimmy Garoppolo. Thought I read that earlier. I wish I could could give credit to whoever did say it. But if that's a fact, you know, that's a very interesting statistic. I think the Seahawks have something else going for them like that. I believe they've now lost two in a row. Um, They just lost last week and to the Minnesota Vikings in a game that really didn't even seem close. It didn't even seem close. The Seahawks lost 17 to 30. And there's a lot of interesting numbers to take from this. I mean, Alexander Madison, um, Dalvin Cook's backup rushed 26 times for 112 yards 
which is, you know, that's a solid day. That's a lot of volume. 26 carries is a lot of volume. Kirk Cousins completed 30 of 38 passes. That's almost 80% for 323 yards and three touchdowns. I mean, that's nuts. Justin Jefferson, their star uh, second-year wideout, nine catches for 118 yards, a touchdown. It, it, it just seemed like, you know, the, the Vikings got the better of them in, in almost every way. Now, even you go over there and you look at Russell Wilson, though. He still completed 23 of 32. That's almost 72% of his passes. One touchdown, no picks. Okay, their running game was was still pretty good over in Seattle. Um Chris Carson averaged 6.7 yards per carry, uh, got 80 yards on 12 carries. Not bad. DK Metcalf, of course, uh, six catches for 170 yards and a touchdown. Now, one thing I do need to do my due diligence on is I believe Tyler Lockett suffered an ankle injury during the game because I remember watching it. And I really, like literally right now, I am getting on to see if there's any uh, YC Seahawks wide receiver Tyler Lockett sat out Thursday practice with a hip injury. Tyler Lockett hip doesn't practice on Thursday. DK Metcalf pops up with a foot injury. Okay, so I wanted to see what Tyler Lockett's status was for the game against the 49ers. Um, I know the DK Metcalf, Metcalf is like that new hotness, but I've always felt like that offense went through Tyler Lockett. It, it, it maybe it doesn't anymore. But I just have a very, very high opinion of Tyler Lockett. Tyler Lockett, great, great player. If he didn't practice on Thursday with a hip injury, which may have been related to why he left that game against the Vikings, um, we'll see. But it says on Wednesday he was able to practice on a limited basis. So we'll know tomorrow. Usually you know tomorrow, but it could be could be doubtful, could be questionable, could be something they wait to find out on game time. But, I mean, that's a that's a big deal against the 49ers because the 49ers had trouble covering Devontae Adams, which everybody has trouble covering Devontae Adams. But my point being is the Seahawks have two very solid receivers in Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf. So if, if the 49ers are having trouble with one Devontae Adams, I'm, I don't necessarily want to see what the result will be against you know, two solid receivers. And, and obviously some of that plays into the fact that the 49ers are dealing with some injuries at corner. They just signed Drake Kirkpatrick, a veteran guy, but he hasn't seen the field yet. Emmanuel Mosley's just coming off of injury. Joss Norman's dealing with some internal damage. You know, he was spitting up blood. Um, kidney, not kidney bruises. I don't want to. I don't want to uh, to misquote it there, but he was dealing with some internal damage that seemed extreme, but Ian Rappaport said he, the hopes were still that he'd play Sunday. So we'll probably get a more in-depth update tomorrow from the 49ers. Avery Thomas, their third-round pick, this kind of struggled. Kwan Williams, I believe he's still out with a calf injury. Um, he's expected to miss some time. That was a genuine calf strain. Diamador Lenore, their fifth-round rookie, um, has been in the game and and has done sol- has been solid. The 49ers just signed a former Bears, I believe, corner. Also a veteran guy, Buster Screen. Screen, I believe is how you pronounce his last name. So they're all over the place at DB. They're all over the place. And and again, it, you're asking these guys to cover DK and Metcalf, two guys that might be top 10 receivers in the NFL. 
it could get messy, especially if the 49ers can't get after Russell Wilson like they couldn't Aaron Rodgers. And really all that had to do with the fact was one, they were the the Packers were throwing a lot of attention towards Nick Bosa's way. Nick Bosa talked in his press conference today about the fact that he just didn't expect to get chipped by a running back, a tight end every play. He didn't expect it. And um he admitted that it was frustrating him and that he's gotta expect it and get over it and keep keep up his rushes. Um and then the fact that Aaron Rodgers was getting the ball out in like two seconds. So it's not that that's necessarily the Seahawks game. Russell Wilson is not known for getting the ball out quickly. But after, you know, when the Seahawks see that, they're like, okay, we can we can do this. We can get the ball out quick. And you could scheme that up. Get the ball out quickly against inexperienced DBs. Inexperienced or inefficient, ineffective, whatever you want to go with. And avoid the pass rush. Like, that's nice. You know, I, I who knows if if the likes of the Seahawks will be able to execute it to the efficiency that the Green Bay Packers were. But, you know, the Green Bay Packers provided a pretty solid blueprint for teams going forward. Stuff the run, force Jimmy Garoppolo to beat you through the air, get the ball out quickly, and, and, and you know, you negate the pass rush. And that's on both sides of the ball. So I don't know how much the Seahawks are going to allow that to adjust how they would normally come in the game. If there's any team that knows the most about the, the 49ers, it's the Seahawks. So I don't know necessarily how much help the Seahawks need in writing a, a game plan to beat the 49ers. But it, to me, it's going to start with those two guys right there and Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf. Uh, we'll see what their status is. Pay close attention to that, whether it's my Twitter, anywhere on 49ers Twitter. Keep a, keep a close eye on 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 those two guys. That to me just seems like the game right there. And the other the other really stand out to me was just how effective the Vikings offense was against the Seattle's defense. So can the 49ers be that effective? We'll see. Jimmy Garoppolo's performance against Green Bay was it had its moments, but it was kind of concerning to me. It just it didn't look comfortable. It didn't look like a seasoned veteran out there. And I think I mentioned this on our last pod. I don't want to necessarily be a broken record, repeat myself over and over. It just didn't look smooth. It didn't look like he was comfortable. It didn't look like he was in command of the offense on the field. You know, Jimmy Garoppolo has been on this 49ers team for like five years now. So at this point, you are what you are. And the 49ers know that. That's why they traded up for Trey Lance and, you know, essentially gave up three first round picks and some, uh, some additional stuff just to get Trey Lance. They know that Jimmy Garoppolo is not the answer, but Jimmy Garoppolo is still out on the field. He's still out there. And and while he's out there, he needs to prove why he's out there. And he's out there because he's got the experience. He's got the command. He knows where to go with the ball. He's got the confidence. If And he needs to play like that. If he's not playing like that, then why not just get Trey Lance in there and let him earn on the fly? Trial by fire. So it, Jimmy Garoppolo's performance, uh, is he going to be able to take take advantage of what seems like a pretty porous Seahawks defense? Uh, the, the Vikings could, and I would be willing to, you know, despite the fact the 49ers have some injuries in the backfield, so did the Vikings against the Seahawks. Like I said, Alexander Madison was their far and away their best rusher, and he's Dalvin Cook's backup. So, it just seems like if the 49ers have their shit together, they can give it to the Seahawks, at least on defense. I don't know what to expect on offense, and that's part of the problem. I just don't know what we're going to get. Now, to kind of add more context to that, uh, George Kittle has missed the last two days with a calf injury. 
that John Lynch said today that he hopes that they hope they hope to have him during the game. It's not serious, um, but he's missed two practices. And we know the, the thing with George Kittle, though, is, you know, when he misses a game, it's serious. The dude is a warrior. And I tweeted this during the last game. If you saw his little video introduction, he's evolved into a full on Viking. Long, long blonde hair down to his shoulders. He's got the the blonde beard growing, blonde, reddish blonde. He just looks like a Viking at this point. And that's I love shit like that because when I think of a guy like George Kittle, who's just, you know, six four, two hundred and fifty pounds, like that guy would have been a Viking during the Viking age. That would have been him. So it, it's just it works. It works for him. Um, in addition to George Kittle, you've got Elijah Mitchell, uh, the uh, who should be the 49ers starting running back, um, did step in when Raheem Mostert first went down, was really solid. Seemed like he was running very similar to Raheem Mostert. He's got good speed. He's got good size. But apparently that shoulder injury he was dealing with was pretty painful. And Lynch said he's kind of taken steady steps at practice, but it doesn't necessarily seem like uh, he's going to play, or at least that they expect him to play. Um, they haven't gone as far as to say that yet. So we don't really know who's going to be in the backfield. We've got Trey Sermon back there. You know, obviously everybody wants to see what he can do. And so do the 49ers. They traded up to take him in the third round, which is kind of unheard of for the 49ers, at least while Kyle Shanahan's been here. So there's obviously something that they want to get going there. Uh, and you can go back and you can look at the 49ers against the Packers and just see just how sporadic it was. I mean, Kyle Juszczyk, the fullback, was the was the was second in carries with five behind Trey Sermon's 10. And the 49ers only managed 3.2 yards per carry. It was just not your average 49ers offense with a stifling run game and you know, hitting you with the big passes that you're not expecting off of play action. And Jimmy Garoppolo was just was just okay against the Packers. So I, it's just hard for me to be confident in this 49ers team right now. That's that's really all I'm getting at. Is I, It's just hard for me to be confident in them. I still don't really know what we're getting. As weird as that is to say, going into week four, you know, at one point against the Lions in week one, they just the 49ers just looked like a juggernaut that was about to hang 50 on Detroit. Then it unraveled, and then it ended up coming down to the last drive. Then they go against the Eagles um, that the Cowboys just laid the smack down on, and they just kind of barely get by them. And I know it was the second game on a road game, so you know second stint of a of a two week road trip. I get that. I, I don't know, you know how up for it the 49ers were, but kind of seemed like they were playing down to their level. Unless, of course, the 49ers are at their level, because now I don't. I think highly of the Packers. I think they're going to be very good this year, and the 49ers took them down to the wire. So I feel like the 49ers are a solid football team. I don't feel like they're as good as I thought they were going to be, and that's not all their fault. They've already suffered quite a few major injuries, uh, you know, Raheem Mostert, Jason Brett. It's just hard for me to know what to expect right now. That's really kind of where I am. Is I'm just, would I be surprised if the 49ers come out and just smack the Seahawks? No. Would I be surprised if the 49ers got beat handedly by the Seahawks? Not really. And I'd be the least surprised if it was just like a close back and forth game. So, I mean, then that's weird. That's all over the place. I really, I just have no idea what to expect from them. I really don't. Kyle Shanahan did reiterate that there is no quarterback competition. There is no quarterback battle. Kyle Shanahan is the starter. Uh, he kind of made a, a point to mention the fact that everybody was kind of putting words slash situations into his mouth about the fact that, that Kyle, that Jimmy Garoppolo and Trey Lance would do a lot of switching throughout the season. 
And he said that was preseason and that's what we want to do. And the part that kind of makes me laugh about that is he's still putting Trey Lance in the game, just not as often as he would as he was in the preseason. So as much as Kyle Shanahan could act like it's funny that we would expect him to swap out Jimmy Garoppolo and Trey Lance, he still is. And he's doing it most consistently at the most important part of the field, which is the red zone. And I said this last week, but if you're putting in a quarterback when you get inside the 20-yard line because you want to score a touchdown, that should be the quarterback you put in for the rest of the 60 yards of the field. You know, 20 on one, one side, 20 on the other, 60 in the middle. You guys get it. Okay, that's why I didn't say 80. I guess it would have to be 80. You know what I mean. Two red zones, total 40. Yeah, I'm just having fun now. So to me, Kyle Shanahan acting like it's crazy that we expect to see Trey Lance or expect to see more Trey Lance. It's He's putting Trey Lance into the game. It's not like Trey Lance has never come into the game and everybody's still going, why aren't we seeing more Trey Lance? He's putting Trey Lance in the game and the 49ers scored with him last last game. They scored with him in week one. So it's not crazy that, that the media and the fans want to see more Trey Lance because we're getting to see Trey Lance. They just want to see more of it. So... A little funny from Shanahan to act like us wanting to see Trey or or expecting to see Trey Lance is crazy. It's not because he's already been out there. He's already been out there. So that's why we're still asking about it, Kyle. All right. Last little bit of news here. Former 49ers quarterback. I can't even say 49ers at this point. That's where where we've gotten. Um, Former 49ers cornerback. Richard Sherman has signed with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, which, you know, great for him. Y'all, if you listen to Striking Gold, you know, I have a lot of respect for Richard Sherman. Um, KP had a lot of respect for Richard Sherman. Eric Crocker had a lot of respect for Richard Sherman. We all did. The dude was an unquestionable leader, obviously, during the offseason, had a momentary lapse of judgment. He said as much. Um, hopefully that's all in the past and he's gotten himself back on the right foot. And this signing with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers is a, uh, is a, is evidence of that. That's what, that's what I'm hoping. I don't know if you're hoping that, but that's what I'm hoping. So congratulations to Sherm for, you know, making it happen for getting over there with the, with the Super Bowl contender with the defending Super Bowl champs. Um, that's good for him. He did say that the Seahawks and the 49ers were interested. They'd have conversations, but neither team had made him an offer, and Tampa Bay was the first one to do that. So he would have been, at that point, he would have been crazy not to take it. So good for him, man. Good for him. I think that about wraps it up. I mean, to, to close it off with some thoughts on the Seahawks. Okay. I mean, I kind of already mentioned it. But a lot of it's going to depend on what the what the 49ers are going to get with Tyler Lock and DK Metcalf. Does one of them play? Does both of them play? To me, the difference between one and both is drastic. The 49ers can make adjustments to just having to cover DK Metcalf. They didn't do that very well against Devontae Adams, but, you know, whatever. What's 12 catches for 132 yards and a touchdown? That's not that big a deal. (laughs) Anyways, so the difference between a DK Metcalf and both DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett is pretty drastic for me. We'll see if, if either of those don't play or both. That'd be crazy. It was bruised lungs for Josh Norman, by the way. It just finally came back to me. Um, just, you know, we're, we're all over the place out here. We talk about whatever, whenever. Just randomly cut myself off whenever I want because there's nobody else here, baby. Anyways, 
to me, that might be the biggest X factor of the game is what we're going to get from Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf. What are the two 49ers cornerbacks that are going to take the field? Is it going to be Emmanuel Mosley and Diamador Lenore? Is it going to be Emmanuel Mosley and Josh Norman? It, you know, is it going to be some other combination? How is the 49ers pass rush going to do getting after Russell Wilson? The Seahawks O-line is shaky as always. And can the 49ers get to Russell Wilson, force him out of his spot? But at the same time, we know what Russell Wilson does when he's forced out of his spot. Just don't do any of that late slide bullshit, Russell. If you're going to slide after running, then slide. And maybe don't wait until the the defender is already three feet from you, bro. I hate that shit, man. I hate quarterbacks playing it like that. It's a rule created to keep quarterbacks safe so they take advantage of it. They force defenders to commit to a tackle, and then they slide, and then they get a flag. I hate it. I don't want to see that shit. Sorry. Like I said, we're going everywhere. So to me, that's the biggest thing, is how is the defense going to fare against whatever the Seahawks have out there? Just given what I saw from the Vikings – Even with a shaky Jimmy Garoppolo, I feel like the 49ers are going to be able to move the ball pretty well. Debo Samuel is coming into his own. He's the most 49ers. He's the 49ers most prolific weapon right now. Will they have George Kittle? That's a big deal. Any attention that a defense no longer has to pay to George Kittle is really detrimental to the 49ers offense. That's a huge, he's a huge part of the run game. He's a huge part of the pass game. He draws so much attention. And, but hey, the 49ers have Debo Samuel. They have Brandon Ayuk. Uh, they have Jimmy Garoppolo. They, who knows what what if Elijah Mitchell is going to be out there? They have Trey Sermon. They should be able to make it happen either way. Point being, there was a lot to be made about Ross Dwelly, the backup tight ends offseason, which apparently was really impressive. Maybe if George Kittle can't go, we really get to see what everybody was talking about with with Ross Dwelly. But I'm not going to sit here and tell you the backup tight end is somehow a an X factor. <laughs> That's not what I'm saying, but I feel like just what we've seen, the 49ers offense should be able to move against the Seahawks again, division game though. Everything always changes. What, what the Seahawks bring against the Vikings will be different than what they bring against the 49ers because it's a division game and no two teams know each other better than the Seahawks and 49ers. So I can't really look at the Viking game and say, Hey, well, this is what happened. This is what should happen with the 49ers. But to me, it's clear that the defense is not there. It's not what it used to be. 49ers should be able to move the ball against them. What is the defense going to be able to do against Russell Wilson and whoever takes the field at receiver? You know, that's the big thing to me. Is the pass rush going to be able to get home? Is this kind of ragtag band of cornerbacks going to be able to cover for long enough? You know, especially when Russell Wilson starts running around. Uh, are Jimmy Ward and Jaquiski Clark going to be able to hold it down? Fred Warner seemed like he kind of had a rough game against the Packers. Uh, is he going to ratchet back, ratchet it back up a notch? You would expect a guy like him, you know, an, an all pro to have no problem finding focus. So that's just kind of where my mind is at against the Seahawks. To me, it all kind of comes down to the defense. Are they going to be able to get after Russ? Are they going to be able to cover these receivers? Which we'll see which ones play. Obviously, if one or both miss the game, then that's a huge plus for the 49ers. If one misses the game, huge plus for the 49ers. Uh, they're just both very, very, very talented. But that's it for me for now. I mean, I, I wish I could speak in more detail about my expectations on what the, I feel like the 49ers should do. But the team is just so all over the place and so unpredictable that it's hard for me to pick them in a game right now. Like if I had to pick between 49ers and Seahawks, I don't know. I haven't seen... 
anything great from either team. So to me, it's hard to be confident in either pick. If the Se- if it were like the Seahawks of like two years ago, then I would say I would pick the Seahawks because the Seahawks, if it were a, a, an earlier Seahawks team, I would be more impressed with than what I've seen from the 49ers. But to me, I can't pick either one of them in confidence. It's tough. It feels a lot like it felt uh, before Green Bay where I didn't really know where it was going to go. And it came right down to the wire. So maybe I'm onto something in the fact that saying it could be a wild game that is unpredictable, but we'll see. Hey, again, I can never say this enough, especially now that it's just me on here. Um, we are looking for another co-host. You know, I'm keeping an eye out. I'm like I said, sending out some carrier pigeons, um, but I'm just not in a rush uh, right now. I want to make sure it's the right fit. I want to make sure we we maintain the vibe of uh, just two guys talking ball. And you don't want to really force that. Um, but like I was saying, it's just me on here. I know I can't be that interesting to listen to. And I appreciate you guys for sticking around and being a part of Striking Gold. It means the world to me. Um, again, this is like year four, I believe. And it's just been a blast. And I love it. Even when I'm sitting in here talking 49ers by myself, it's, I know that I'm kind of having a conversation with you guys. And I wouldn't be doing this if I didn't get all those little tweets and random comments from you guys just talking about what you heard and uh, little you know kind words you guys throw my way every now and then. I do appreciate it, and I do read it. I try to reply as often as I can. Uh, but, hey, man, it's striking gold, and I love it here, man. We're on the Blue Wire Network. And, uh, and this is where it's happening, but Hey, that's it for another episode. I will come back at you guys should be after the Seahawks game, unless I go to the Seahawks game, then it's tough for me to come back at you guys after the game because I'm traveling back home. So at the very latest, you'll hear from me, um, on Tuesday morning again, cause I'll have to record on Monday. Uh, but I'm hoping uh, if I don't if if I don't go to the game, you will hear from me. I'll jump on here Sunday night, and you'll get me bright bright and early Monday morning. So, either way, depending on when you hear from me, you'll just know what I was doing. And I appreciate it. Thank you for listening to Striking Gold. Thank you for all the support. Make sure you're rating, reviewing, commenting, subscribing, downloading all the stuff that pops up on the spreadsheets for the boys that makes us look good. But for another episode, I'm Rob Louder, and this is Striking Gold. We are signing out.